Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day today on the podcast. We are blessed and honored to have Danny. Danny is America's leading reading ambassador, and we're going to talk a lot about reading. And you guys know I've talked in the past. I wasn't much of a reader in high school and college, and now I do enjoy it. Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Thanks for all you do to spread some joy in a pretty dark world nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being on and thank you for being flexible. Uh, I know we've had to move our time, but uh, looking forward to having a great conversation with you. But before we do that, tell listeners a little bit about uh, who you are and then we'll get into your journey. Well, it's it's kind of ironic that I'm considered America's leading reading ambassador because like you, Ryan, I grew up hating reading. My father was a <laughs> My father was a librarian. I always hated the public library. It always smelled funny to me. There was uncomfortable furniture. There was always uh, some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. And there was always a, a freaky homeless guy. I thought he was a vampire hanging out, hanging out by the shelves. And it wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city where I saw a lot of my students didn't have a lot of the advantages I had growing up. And I said, shame on me. I mean, I took a lot of things for granted. Uh, both of my parents were in the home. We were lower middle class, but we always had food on the table. And my parents read in front of us kids to us, and we always had plenty of access to reading materials. And so it really became a passion of mine because as a teacher of all ages, I've seen that schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask is, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they ever want to read? I teach kids yeah. why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on their own. So this is the this is my passion. And you and I share that uh, experience of finally becoming readers uh, later in life. <laughs> it, it, it is. And then the other thing you might have to tell kids to do nowadays is go outside and play because they want to stay yeah. inside. That's I mean, true. for our generations, uh, we would go outside and have to be yanked back in to come back in from playing. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, I remember once it was like 20 below zero. And my mom's wow. like, hey, dinner's at six. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> 20 below zero. Wow. Oh, yeah. that was that's, uh, that, that's a little chilly. Yeah, definitely. So you were an inner city teacher. Uh, where did you go from there? Once you were doing that, where are you at today? Where am I at today? That's a good question. My wife asks me that all the time. Uh, <laughs> well, I went from... Uh, uh, teaching, you know, I, I started off as a secondary teacher, went from high school to middle school to upper elementary to lower elementary to pretty soon. Okay. Instead of preparing students for college, I was coming home with snot marks all over my pants from my little ones. Hugging me all day. <laughs> uh, from there, I, I became a college professor and then uh, I started uh, speaking on the side and uh, basically uh, became a speaker, uh, started working with parents and then teachers and then administrators. And then from there, started speaking at more corporate events and then uh one of the big transitions i've been making is uh now i've been coaching a lot more um business executives entrepreneurs on how to spice up their presentations to make them amazing so that everybody wants to do business with you and uh it's great it's a it's a fun journey i think that's what uh, they say the average person changes their career about eight times in life. I don't know if I've changed careers. I've just kind of evolved in different, uh, the strategies I use with corporate executives are the same ones I use with kindergartners. Really? Absolutely. That's cool. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to we're gonna have to dig into that because that's interesting that it would be the same concept, same ideas. Yeah. Uh, okay. We, let's just get right into it. I, I just got to ask that question. So what you used with kindergartners and what you're using with executives and entrepreneurs. So there's really no difference. Why? Yeah. So the biggest, the biggest mistake leaders make is they surround themselves with yes men. And that's a big mistake. You need to be around people that think differently than you. Yes. Nobody thinks more differently than kindergartners. I mean, and I should have known this, even when I was a kid, I knew this because in kindergarten, when I was in kindergarten, sister Rosanna asked us one day, if we all wanted to go to heaven, and all of us raised our hands except for Hector. And she looks at him, she's like, you don't want to go to heaven, Hector? And he's like, oh, I thought you were talking about today. He's right. He's just looking at her question from a totally different point of view. I love that. And and that's what, if you, if you look at the decisions that we have to make as business owners, entrepreneurs, they require a lot of creativity, a lot of uh, thinking outside the box. I actually, I, I hate the term thinking outside the box. It's 1994, uh, but uh, how I think a little bit differently than the people around me, uh, you know, because if everybody's 
I, I tell people we should, the reason I love the United States is we need to embrace our diversity. It's what's great. If we weren't all diverse and different, the pandemic would have killed us, but we are yes. different and we should be embracing that all the time. And I, I love being around people that think differently than me. And uh, uh, with business executives, the same as one of the things I try to teach kids is, uh, well, there's two types of teachers. There's the kind that say you're wrong. And there's the kind that ask, why did you say that? I always encourage teachers, you need to start asking, why did you say that? Because the more you question people, the better you can figure out where they're coming from. And I'll give you an example. When I used to teach preschool, I taught mm -hmm. preschool in downtown Los Angeles at a, uh, uh, a facility for homeless uh, Latino kids that spoke Spanish. And so I, I had this one little boy, Francisco, three years old. And on his little whiteboard, I wrote Francisco and Papa. And I asked mm -hmm. Francisco in Spanish to point to the word that said Papa. And he pointed to Francisco. And so I asked him in Spanish, well, why did you say that? And he's like, because it's bigger. Oh, he's associating the size of the word with the size of the person. Okay, now I know where he's coming from. And that's where I, I think if a lot of people would just kind of ask more questions of one another, you, you start to appreciate, oh, this is where this person's coming from. Um, if I'm in customer service, the more questions I ask, the better I can serve you. And so that's that's where it's very similar uh, work. And then, you know, if I'm around a bunch of board executives and, you know, so many trainings, the reason they call them board meetings is because they're boring. And yeah. uh, so I'm like, we're going to sing, we're going to dance, we're going to laugh. I mean, uh, I've, I've given presentations for over 20 years and I've never had a person, Ryan, six months after a presentation say, oh, you know what I really like? about your uh, presentation, Danny, was that one PowerPoint slide that you showed that had 18 <laughs> bullet points that you couldn't read because the font was too small. <sighs> People remember stories, they remember laughing, they remember whenever you get them interacting. And so these are the same concepts I'm trying to teach people when I'm trying to uh, help them deliver amazing presentations that persuade people. But that's, that's I, I'm gonna say one cool because you're actually trying to engage people from a different perspective and not to get politicized because i try not to be because that's not what i do we don't do that today it's lost and it's like it's okay to disagree i i mean you don't always have to agree with somebody but wouldn't it be kind of nice to understand where that person's coming from because maybe they're going through something you don't know and you could potentially help them one or two they give you more information than you had and you're like okay now i understand where they're coming from i get what they're doing got it but we automatically just hard charge them and say oh you're not you're not seeing it the same way i am i'm done and that's but that's that's not just life it's also school too and, and everything to that extent i mean um i don't know how to I, I describe school almost to being uh in corporate america and being an entrepreneur you have to be persistent and consistent with all three the mm. difference with school and being, you know, in, in a corporate job and an entrepreneur, school and corporate America feed you. you you're fat and happy because you're going to get you're going to get fed. You're going to get food, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to entrepreneurship, I never learned how to be a, a fisherman. And I was I, I had two failed businesses before this. That's why I always joke. I'm an eight year overnight success, you know, two failed businesses and a plenty more to, you know, plenty of all more learnings to come. But school teaches us to be that rigid piece and, and go to and from, but it doesn't allow us to be free thinkers and be able to open that dialogue and, and, and think differently. And I think that's where the reading comes in because reading really can expand your mind when you're reading different genres of, of books or history or whatever you're doing. It's just, it opens another world for me. I'm just talking personally. So I, I sorry, I digress. No, I completely agree. It. It's, it's one of the things I, I always emphasize to kids. You got to fail faster to succeed sooner. You know, uh, mm -hmm. the fact that you had two failed businesses, you didn't have two failed businesses. You had two learning experiences. I mean, there's that great quote by uh, Max Levchin I love. He says, he says, the very first company I started, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He said, the very first company I started failed with a great bang. The second one failed a bit less, but still failed. The third one, you know, proper failed, but it did okay. Uh, I recovered quickly. Number four almost didn't fail. It still didn't really feel great, but it did okay. Number five was PayPal. Oh, wow. If it only That's takes cool. you five tries to come upon a billion dollar company, you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, it's true.
So do you think, you know, with, with the internet and everything today, we have instant gratification going on. Do you think some of that translates into the learning environment and reading and so forth and comprehension is that if we don't get it initially and we struggle with reading, maybe we're dyslexic or have something else going on, we just give up? I think it goes both ways, uh, Ryan. One of the things I, it, it bothers me how quickly we like to label kids. And uh, I think that's a big mistake because uh, when you label a kid, if you're going to take the time to label somebody, you might as well uh, label them a genius because people who rise or fall based on the expectation. I mean, that was something very powerful for me. I always wanted to do this with my kids. I wanted to tell them every single day. I, I, I did tell them every day. I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you need somebody else to believe in you before you believe in yourself. I believe in all of you. They only give me the best and the brightest. Now let's go out and make this world a better place. I mean, they heard that every day. And I'm looking at kids, you know, hey, Ryan, are you going to be a Supreme Court justice or the president of the United States? Get them thinking big. Get them thinking big. I, I'm a coach yeah. also. I always tell this to kids when, you know, I'm like, uh, there's a reason that successful teams always win the close games because they think they're supposed to. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing with losing teams. They lose the close games because they think they're supposed to get those people in a winner's mindset. I mean, Jim Harbaugh inherited the San Francisco 49ers. They had won three games the year before. He got basically the exact same team to make it to the NFC Championship the following year. Yes. Same players. Different yeah. attitude. You know, yeah. you got to get people believing around you. And it, I mean, being an entrepreneur is the toughest thing in the world. I was just being interviewed the other day about uh, running several businesses. And somebody said, well, who's your, uh, what can you talk about the struggles of being an entrepreneur? I'm like, well, I was a solopreneur. And uh, what was tough when I started off is people to ask me, uh, well, can you, uh, what, what's your assistant's name? I'm like, oh, I've got the greatest assistant in the world. His name is Danny. They're like, oh. <laughs> You have a website designer? I'm like, oh, my website designer, he is phenomenal. His name is Danny. Uh, oh, who's your director of marketing? Like this great guy, his name is Danny. You know, we wear lots of different hats. We fail yeah. all the time. I used to tell that to kids. I'm like, if you're not failing 25 times a day, why are you here? That's why it's school. Like we try yeah. to make everybody the same. And this is the problem when people ask me about education. I'm like, well, what's the solution? Is it is it public school or charter school? And I say, yes, some kids it's a charter school, some kids it's a public school, some kids it's a vocational school, some kids it's homeschool, some kids it's a magnet school. Everybody's different. You know, we're trying to have one answer to a question that requires many, many different, I mean, it's Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors. Um, yeah. And so I love it. I love your audience. I love being around entrepreneurs because I want to be around people who are optimistic, who are like, oh, you know, I, I think of that movie, Ed Wood, uh, Ed, oh, yeah. Ed Johnny Depp. He should have gotten an Academy Award for that movie because uh, he calls up. He, he sent his first movie to the studio and he asked the studio head. He's like, "What? What did you think of my movie? <laughs> the worst thing you've ever seen? Well, my next one will be better." And I'm, I love his optimism. I love that. That's great. We need to be around people, and that's why it's so important for your listeners to listen to this show all the time. You need that support system. You need to hear that. You know what? Uh, I've never, when I'm, when I'm training executives, my best speaking tip, they're like, well, what, what, what's the secret to being a better speaker? I'm like, well, I'll, I'll tell you one secret. Don't tell people about your successes. Tell them mm -hmm. about your failures. Because not everybody in your audience has succeeded, but they've all failed. And they're going right. to love you for being vulnerable enough to actually confess to that. So that's what, that's why this is a great podcast is we need people that support us. We need things that are positive in our minds. I mean, my, one of my mentors, Charlie Tremendous Jones used to say, you're the same today as you will be in five years, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. So I always tell kids, be wise and surround yourself with people that lift you up and make sure to only fill your mind with positive things when you're reading. And that is so hard today to do. I mean, yeah. so many people struggle with being positive and, don't get me wrong. I, I have my own pity parties when I fail, but I, I give myself that opportunity to have that pity party and then move on. But then I sit back and I look at, okay, what did I learn? What did I do wrong? And how do I improve going forward? And, and that's a lot of, of, of grinding it out and getting there. It's not easy, but you can do it. Anybody can do it. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be you. You can do it, but most people don't want to do that. And I think, and I'm going to go back to the school system. I think the school system fails our kids in that because we don't hold them when they fail. We just let them go through the, they fall through the cracks and, and we lose them. I wish there was something we could do better for that. And 
I, I like how you were talking about it's it's Baskin Robbins 31 flavors because mm -hmm. not every child is going to mix and match. Do you think there's ever going to be a way that we can identify the best way or help children identify the best way for them to learn and then guide them to those different types of schools? Well, that's great, Ryan. The first thing is that there's no one right way. There's lots of different right ways. What, what works with you might not work with me. So that's the first yeah. thing. You know, I was speaking at a gamers association convention recently, and I said, you know what I love about gaming is, isn't it sad that in school, you start out at 100% and they deduct points from you, but in gaming, <laughs> you start at zero and they you're able to earn points. I'm like, yes. maybe that's the way we have to redesign school is you're starting off at zero and what can you do? I mean, I see people, they'll give a kid a worksheet and the kid's bored, might not even finish the worksheet where I'm like, if you told this kid, I want you to design a video game, that kid, instead of spending 20 minutes on a useless worksheet, they're gonna spend like 20 hours designing a, a video game that they're excited about. They're gonna spend time outside of school. They're gonna talk about it with their friends. They're gonna, they're gonna learn math and science and all kinds of things just to create this thing that they're excited about. And the, the secret is everybody's excited about something different. Yes. Some entrepreneurs, they're all into the marketing. But you know, some people, some people they're, well, I'm more of a systems guy. I like putting together uh, the, the, the storefront on the website. And then some people are like, well, I'm not good at any of that, but I'm really good at PR. You put me in front of the room and everybody's going to fall in love with me. I mean, everybody brings something else to the table. And this is what good leaders, good leaders identify. The reason Phil Jackson was such a successful NBA basketball coach was because uh, he made his 12th man feel just as important as Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. Everybody has something that they bring to the team and a good leader publicly acknowledges why this person is vital to, to the success of everybody. And, and you're right. I, I see schools, they don't look at what, I mean, there's that old movie summer school with Mark Harmon. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. His, his, his students have all failed like this exam. He's like, you didn't yes. fail. You went from like an 18% to a 37 and you, you went from a 40 to a 64. And I'm like, he's right. I mean, yeah. what is it looking at the finish line when you're not looking at the starting line? That's like your annoying friend that's talking about, oh, my crypto is worth a thousand bucks today. I'm like, well, if you started at nine ninety nine, that ain't a whole <laughs> lot of growth. You know, I, I, I got students that deserve, I got F students that deserve A's on their effort. And I got A students that deserve F's based on their effort. I mean, and I'm mm -hmm. a coach. I always said, give me the heart over the talent any day of the week because I will teach heart how to beat you because we're going to establish positive habits. Talent gets lazy all the time. I see it all unless you're yes. LeBron James. LeBron James has heart and talent, but everybody else besides LeBron James, uh, I, I always want the heart. But it, why don't we embrace any of this? That's I, I got to go deep and wide here is why, why don't we embrace this culturally from you know standpoint from not just schooling but also the united states because we all are different we all we all learn differently we all look at things differently but it we never sit down and say and the, i'm, I'm kind of back up and i'm gonna go back to my original question we never go back and say what do you what are you most passionate about what yeah. gets you going on a daily basis what moves you i mean I never thought I would have two pod. I have one podcast. Now I have two. And it's like, uh, I never thought I would have two podcasts. And it's like, okay, that's, that's great. I'm doing it. I love it. And I love talking to, to guests like yourself and you bring so much passion. It's, it's fun. That's why I do it. Mm -hmm. But it's when I talk to individuals, you know, through my, my day job, uh, we do affordable housing and I have a nonprofit we started last year and that's a whole nother mess. I, we can have prom, we can have a long talk about that, but, <laughs> um, the nonprofit, we work with individuals that unfortunately were left behind by the school system and weren't given financial tools or financial abilities to succeed in life. And when they come to us, they are, my best word I could say is broken. And, and they're probably further along than that. They're very heavily in debt. They don't understand why, you know, their accounts have charged off. They don't understand why they're being sued. I mean, there's so many things that have gone on and to unravel that process with them and understand where they're at is daunting. And, and that's why we really started the nonprofit so we could have counselors start helping them. Um, but back to my original question with that and digressed is how do we start changing that system? And I'm not talking about school, but maybe 
from your standpoint and what you're doing in, in coaching, how do we start getting more people like you out there in the world, helping individuals, kids, whoever to start succeeding in life? I mean, just life in general, let's start there. Yeah. I mean, reading is, reading is my passion now, Ryan. I yes. mean, uh, you and I are both similar. I mean, I love to read biographies of successful people. And I think the one thing that always sticks out to me is almost all these biographies of successful people, they all shared one thing in common. They all dropped out of school. I'm like, what are we doing wrong, man? What is up with that? That's ridiculous. And it's because I don't know it. You know, I started off as a, as a high school teacher. I went from high school to middle school to upper elementary to lower elementary to pretty soon. Instead of preparing students for college, I was coming home with snot on my kneecaps all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, why is it that my kindergartners would go to bed with their backpacks on because they were so excited to get back to school the next day? And my eighth graders were thinking of ways to get sick. I'm like, what happened in those eight years to get that kid to hate school so much? I mean, if I'm doing my job, my kids should be banging on my classroom door at six in the morning and they should be in tears when that final bell rings because they don't want to leave. I mean, uh, Carl Jung said, um, if we want to change any, if, if we want to accept anything, if we, I'm going to screw up the quote, but uh, uh, I, I can't even remember the quote. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I, I'm usually better about that, but I can't remember it. Um, he said, if there's anything we wish to change in the child, we should first examine it and, and see whether it's not something that could be better changed in ourselves. And I completely agree with that. I think uh, uh, there and I I don't like to blanket statement because there are some schools that are doing great job, mm -hmm. a great job. Um, I think we can always do better. I think uh, in America, the problem is. Uh, we live in a caring society. Everybody feels entitled. Everybody's ridiculous in this country. Nobody's willing to do anything yes. anymore. When yes. I uh, speak to audiences in America, this is what I see my American audiences doing. When I speak in India, this is what my Indian audiences are doing. I mean, when I was touring schools in India, they were teaching uh, math concepts in third grade that we don't even teach in high school in this country. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I, I actually left India wondering if we should even teach math and science in this country because we are so far behind them. Uh, but there's things that we're really good at. I mean, American, like everybody has to get defensive when I say, well, this system, they do this. And people are like, oh, well, I'm like, I'm not, you don't have to be defensive. I'm like, let's figure out we're not going to steal the idea. We're going to liberate that idea and free it <laughs> and, uh, and show how we can make our system a little bit better. And I mean, what works in, you know, you can go to, you can go to Dayton, Ohio, and what works in West Dayton, Ohio doesn't necessarily work in East Dayton, Ohio. And even in West Dayton, Ohio, in this high school, what works in this teacher's classroom doesn't necessarily work in this teacher's classroom. I mean, it's a complicated, you know, when they try and get business involved with schools, I'm like, well, that's silly because businesses can, we're creating widgets. We don't have widgets. In school, we have kids, yeah. and kids are all different. And kids come to us with lots of different background knowledge and experiences uh, and things like that. And we have to figure out, I think, the way I, I think a little bit differently from most people is I, I always try to figure out how do you take your weakness and turn it into your strength? And so when I was in India, uh, this was before the pandemic, about three years ago, I, I gave this motivational talk to all these kids and uh, this one little boy comes up to me six years old ryan he's he's only got a stump for his left arm he has tears in his eyes he's like wow but what can i do what can i do and i don't usually share this story but i shared it with him i said well you know when i was your age i went to 18 different schools before sixth grade they, they called me stupid because i i, I didn't talk right yeah and i finally went to a school where a teacher she started singing things to me and i found i could sing them back without my stutter and i eventually lost my stutter and i became a swan it's kind of like the uh, the movie the king's speech but i looked yeah. at the little boy and i said now i want you to remember this isn't it interesting that the little boy that they said was stupid and didn't talk right now gets paid a lot of money to go all over the world getting paid to do what to speak and he had this to big grin and, I, I, and it's the same thing. I was at another school, this uh, 5,000 uh, girls, all girls school. Uh, these two seniors come up to me at the end of my talk. Beautiful. One wants to be a lawyer. One wants to be a doctor. I said, that's great. Are you going to go to university here in India? Or maybe you'll go to Great Britain or maybe the United States? And they said, oh, we're girls. We can't leave India. I'm like, get back in that auditorium. Got them all back in there. I'm like, now is your moment, ladies. 
I'm like, <laughs> within, within five years, India is going to be the largest country on the planet in terms of population. I'm like, you're a very young democracy. You're only like 75 years old, yet you've already elected a woman prime minister. America yeah. still has not elected a woman president. I'm like, right now, there are twice as many women in India as there are people in the United States. There wow. are actually more women in India with a graduate degree than there are people in the United States. And I looked at him, I said, you just made it my passion. The next uh, prime minister, CEO, and the next really good mom is coming out of this audience. I'm like, don't let anybody tell you what you can't do because you can do anything you set your mind to. I, I just believe it is so critical, Ryan. This is, again, it's why I'm on this podcast. People need to hear that kind of message. We, we, I was watching this horrible show on TV last week called uh, The News. And uh, <laughs> it put me in a foul mood. I mean, I, it does. I don't watch that nonsense. I mean, who cares? Like, I love it when people talk politics to me. I'm like, there's no difference. These people are all scary to me. They're not doing yeah. anything. You want to get something done? If you're waiting for the government to do something for you, you're in for you're a trouble. Really long life, man. And you're working yeah. with a nonprofit, man. I've run nonprofits. I'll tell you what, the system, the bureaucracy is ridiculous. Just get stuff done, man. That's why I like entrepreneurs. I'm like, just get it done. Go out there. You do know, it. And you know, the funny thing is we're running the nonprofit like a for-profit. Yeah, just at the end of the year, it. we'll just, we'll just move the money and put it into an investment or whatever we need to do to make sure we hold that. But we're not running it that way. I mean, it really is ran as a, a for-profit. I mean, initially it was meant only for financial literacy. Now it's, oh, I can do land acquisition through it yeah. and gets tax credits. So guess what? It's going to do that. Right. And it has so many different nuances that you can use. But the one thing we're not going to do is get in, like you said, the bureaucracy and get tied up on all this red tape because yeah. That's not what we're doing because we're trying to make a difference. I mean, the 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 biggest challenge I've I've learned in this process, entrepreneurship, is if you keep at the status quo and you just keep on doing the same thing over and again, just like life, where are you gonna get? Getting the the you're you're getting nothing. You're you're just staying in the same place. And I had a uh, gentleman on several months ago, he's a retired NFL player, and he transitioned out of the NFL and struggled getting back into the real world. And he sat back and had to think about what does his life look like and where does he want to go? And he, and he started putting people into categories that he was interacting with. And he came up with one category as a camper in life where you're sitting on the couch doing nothing. And then you have a climber. The climber is always trying to get to the top of the mountain, trying to work their way through life, going through their failures, learning from them. And he's like, I'm, I'm, he was like six months, nine months removed from the NFL when he started going through this. And he said, I'm a damn camper in life. I'm sitting here doing nothing. I got yeah. fat. I was eating a bunch of food uh, and I wasn't doing anything. And I was, I was fat and happy, literally. And he said, at that point, I stopped and he said, I need to go find myself a mentor. I need mm -hmm. to go find myself somebody that can help me get back in shape. And then the third thing is, he said, I needed to figure out what made me happy. And he found out that make, being happy was being an entrepreneur. He ended up starting a security company. He's on a board of directors for some type of nonprofit that works in the housing space. So that's how we got connected. Mm -hmm. And the third thing was he was helping out. He grew up in a very small town in Ohio, and I can't remember the name of it, but he's now going back there and helping the local school district make sure kids are getting educated, learning how to read, making sure they're getting math skills and so all the things that he missed because he was told in high school and you know elementary and junior high that he was never going to succeed because he didn't have the the mental aptitude to to succeed. And it's and he said there was many times that he said he just wanted to give up and just say forget it. And he got himself to the NFL. 12 well, years, 13 years in the NFL. It was yeah, very very I, inspiring. I've been blessed Ryan just because my entire life I had teachers and mentors around me that told me that encouraged me. And I see that not everybody has that. Uh, I, I think that's really important uh, that that guest you had. I mean, I had watched that ESPN documentary broke. And when they gave the statistic that 80 percent of yes. hired NFL players filed for bankruptcy within three years of retirement, I'm like, what is going on? I mean, yeah, they need to do something about that. That's ridiculous to me. The nice thing about and I love your example with him, though, because the good thing about professional athletes is they understand the value of a coach 
Like yes. Tiger Woods has a putting coach and he has a driving coach and he has a mm -hmm. psychological coach. And yet you get entrepreneurs that, like <laughs> that me, don't. a solopreneur. And I'm like, I'm, tr I'm trying to be my own marketing coach. I'm trying to be my own. I mean, you know, the reason people bring me in to help them speak is they, they realize they're not as good at speaking as they need to be. And I, I never change a person. I, you know, everybody's a little bit different. What I do is yes. uh, I'm like, Oh, okay. Right now we got the vanilla ice cream. Let's, let's put some chocolate sauce and some cherries and uh, some, <laughs> some things on top. I mean, let's make it, let's make it better. You know, uh, I, it, it's very simple. Uh, to me, that's where my strength is. But there's things that other people are are good at that they're that's their strength. Again, this is what leaders have to have to acknowledge: is everybody has different strengths, and it's just as important also to understand your weaknesses as it mm -hmm. is to understand what you're really good at. I mean, when you understand your weaknesses and can accept those, you know, uh, now that I'm married, my wife has pointed out all kinds of weaknesses, uh, which <laughs> have made me a better human being and a better <laughs> husband. <laughs> And, and you've got that list of things to work on. Uh, it's it's a very long list. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I mean, it's, but that's just life. I mean, I, I'm going to sit here and I can go down a rabbit hole on this because I was talking to a gentleman last week that's looking to buy a home. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, unfortunately, I, I say unbankable because I mean, his credit is just atrocious. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was in the fours, 420, 440. No, I've never seen that <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I've, I've seen in the threes in my oh, lifetime. Yeah. So yeah, 319 is the lowest I've seen. Um, and he just didn't understand the concept that he was going to have to put in the work. And he was angry at first because I told him that. And I just said, you know, I stepped back and I just told him, you know what? I'll be here when you're ready. But let me tell you something. You can change the tide in all this. If you truly want to buy a home and become a homeowner, it really can happen. But you're going to have to put that, you know, the work and effort in. And he's like, well, that's never going to happen. And I said, I could tell you right now, four, four, it was four or five trade lines. I said, more than likely we could get removed because they were past the statute of limitations, FCRA, all that good stuff that I know. And we could get those knocked off. And I said, you probably could get yourself a hundred point bump potentially. So I, I, you're in the fives now. And I said, you need a 620 to qualify for a, a Fannie or Freddie or an FHA. But I said, you don't just want to do the bare minimum to get yourself there. 700 is a sweet spot for those loans. So here's what we do. And I kind of gave him a short roadmap. He kind of tuned out and said, that's a lot of work. I can't do that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How bad do you want to own a house? Yeah. And he, he, uh, he thought about it, got quiet for a few moments. And he came back and said, I do, but I just don't know if I can do that. And I said, well, then take some time to think about it. But the thing is, if you truly want something that bad, you're going to really have to work for it. And there's nothing else. I can support you, help you be your cheerleader, whatever. But at the, I can't pay your bills. You know, he had, he had collections. He had, a, he didn't have any wage garnishment, but he did have some default judgments that were sitting out there. So he had a lot of red flags that no one would touch him with a 10 foot pole. Um, but he has income. So he has a good steady job. He, he, he's, he was making like 35 or $40 an hour. He's a blue collar worker working in a good factory, been there for 10 years, uh, steady lives in a decent house. Rent is going up. The reason what spurred this, his rent was going from $1,200 a month to $2,400 a month. Double. Oh, wow. Yes. And this is in the Midwest. I mean, that's, that's crazy that that was happening. Um, and then his wife's pregnant, so they need more room. Oh, wow. So th this is all pressures. And I'm like, the all these things you can use as a benefit to yourself and motivate you. Why do you want to pay twenty four hundred dollars a month in rent? Uh, you 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 have a new kid coming along. Your kid could have a, a room. Your other kids could have rooms, uh, and your mortgage payment potentially could be less than what you're paying in rent. It'd probably it'd probably be around a thousand to eleven hundred bucks all mm -hmm. in. Um, and he's like, okay, I get that. It, but it took me an hour and a half to get that through him. Most of the time, I would. I'm the type of guy, if you can't kind of come to the party within the first 10, 15 minutes, mm -hmm. I have to just tell him, hey, I don't know if we're the right group for you because it doesn't seem like you want to work. But something kept on telling me to go after this guy and help him because he just kept on laying it on me. And maybe it was some guilt. I don't know. But I just I can't believe how much financial trouble, literacy, education, 
Um, the gentleman, uh, I would probably say he was in his mid thirties. Uh, and he thought I had four heads when I asked him about a checkbook, uh, or some type of, some type of like app to, to balances his budget through. He goes, why would I do that? I just put money in and it goes out. And I'm like, well, there's your first problem. Yeah. You don't know what you're spending it on. Uh, cause he had a, a spending habit that needed to stop. Uh, nothing bad, just out buying stuff. I mean, anyhow, I digress. Sorry, but I back mean, that just shows you that that's something you need to pursue in the future, Ryan. I mean, people need financial literacy at a young age. Oh, I mean, yeah. we, gra we graduate kids with calculus. They just don't know how to balance a checkbook. I mean, that's ridiculous to me. Let's show people how to, how to use this stuff. Here, here's how you make math meaningful. Show them numbers. You know, yeah. uh, this is how you lose the weight. This is how you make the income. I mean, these are the, you, you, you know, it's karate kids, salt the wound. You got to, sometimes you got to salt the wound, uh, make them feel that pain. <laughs> but, but in the school system, are we truly missing the mark altogether when it comes to math and reading? I mean, is it really being missed? I don't know. In some places, yeah. I mean, again, you get the, uh, I mean, I have never once seen that inspirational teaching movie where they're like, he went to the inner city and he inspired his students by using the <laughs> state's mandatory scripted reading program. I've, right. I've yet to seen that movie, but I see teachers, you know, they get the kids writing or they get the kids doing poetry or they're singing and dancing. And uh, I swear, like, we do all this research to figure out what kids like and then make sure to eliminate that th from the curriculum. And let, oh, we need to do test prep where it cracks me up. The people that are manda mandating tests for these kids could have never passed those tests themselves. I mean, I, yeah. well, I, I used to do a, uh, I had a, a slide and it, it, it blocked out the faces of three gentlemen. And I'm like, well, let's talk about these three gentlemen. Uh, the guy on the right, had a D minus grade point average in high school. He couldn't get into a university, so he went to City College in New York, joined the ROTC, took a lot of PE classes, and basically was able to up his GPA to a C minus average. But since he was <laughs> in the ROTC, joined the Army for 20 years, he was very successful in the Army, and back in his, he went back to the university in his 40s, and he graduated with straight A's with his master's degree. Unfortunately, wow. Secretary of State Colin Powell wasn't judged on how he did in high school. I'm like, now, the guy on the left is a very interesting story. He's the only person to have ever been kicked out of Yale twice for academic reasons. He went to Yale and dropped out within six months because of bad grades. So he went back home, fell in love with a girl, but the girl's family wouldn't let her date a college dropout. So he used his family connections to get readmitted to Yale, where he got kicked out promptly again for bad grades. So he went through that bastion of higher education, Casper Community College in Wyoming, got interested in political science, transferred to the University of Wyoming, graduated with straight A's. Fortunately, former Vice President Dick Cheney wasn't judged on how he did at Yale. I'm like, now the guy in the middle, I'd like to tell you how he did in school, but the moment he ran for governor of Texas, they sealed all of his transcripts from kindergarten on. Uh, they don't usually seal your transcripts because you're a straight A student. That was former President George Bush. And I'm like, this isn't political because I'm not interested in politics. Politics is about problems, not solutions. I'm a solver. Yes. Here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. By anybody's measure, all three of those individuals is highly successful. Thank God they weren't judged on how they did in an arbitrary school system or on some silly test. You know, uh, look at people. I mean, I, when I taught kindergarten, I used to tell the kids, I'm like, I hope to God this isn't the best year of your life. I hope it's next year. <laughs> And the year after that, I mean, the windshield's a whole lot bigger than the rearview mirror. I used to go. I, I played high school football with guys that still talk to me about when we played high school football together. I'm like, folks, <laughs> you know, I, I was at an event recently where we're getting introduced, and one of the speakers she was introduced as Miss America 1975, and I'm like, what? 50 years ago, man. It'd be like me saying, oh, I was the top speller in my second grade class. I mean, come on. <laughs> What have you done lately? It's craziness. And so, you know, and I also think that that schools, we need to we need to judge kids based on different abilities. It's the same thing yeah. as I'll do a lot of these entrepreneurial po podcasts and people equate uh, success to how much money you have. And I'm like, I don't yeah, I don't equate that at all. I mean, money is important and I, I love money. I think money is great. But I know plenty of people that have lots of money and they never talk to their family. 
yep. you know, I know plenty of people that they're wealthy as can be and they're, they're going to die within the next five years because of the unhealthiest lifestyle on the planet. You know, I know people that are, that have a ton of money, but they have no spiritual, uh, they, they, they don't go to the church or the synagogue or to the temple or anything. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I know people that they're working 24 seven, they never take a break. I mean, they're making mm -hmm. lots of money, but they're not. And I know people make lots of money and they haven't made any kind of difference whatsoever. They're just scumbags. The world's not yeah. better because they were here, you know? So I think you need to measure yourself. I mean, in my mastermind, you know, I call it the, the six F's to financial freedom. Six F's to freedom is what we call it. Um, Cause I'm a former teacher. Everything has to be acronyms or abbreviation. <laughs> And so I say, well, we have to set our goals have to be financial goals, family goals, fitness goals, faith goals, fulfillment goals, and fun goals. And if we can devote at least one day a week to, eat, to each of those goals, then we'll be a little bit better rounded than most of us are. It's a very simple exercise. Everybody should uh, do something like that. Uh, but that was that's what I would encourage all of your listeners to do is, okay, uh, Monday's all about making money. You know, Tuesday's about making a difference. Uh, mm -hmm. Wednesday is about uh, making time for my my family and friends. Thursday is about making time for me. What can I do to relax? And, you know, and Friday, you know, is about uh, I mean, I don't know. pick it, pick whatever day, pick whatever thing. But uh, you get the point. Is you know, people get so locked into one thing, and I'm like, well, you're you're just not. It's the same thing. I, the reason I love reading, I love reading about all kinds of different people. I mean, I read different. I mean, I'm reading. The four books I'm reading right now, right? I'm reading a uh, a book by John Madden, the former uh, football commentator. Football that's, that's for fun. I'm reading a book uh, on uh, the history of uh, of uh, classical music, which sounds boring, but uh, every now and then there's an anecdote in there, which is phenomenal. I'm all about anecdotes. I'm reading a um, oh, I uh, will. will these are the four books I'm reading, but I'm also reading, I guess, four books because I have a book I'm reading with my wife and then I, my three kids, we each have a different book that we're reading together. Um, I, you know, but the, the whole point is to, to be more well-rounded. That's one of the great things about reading. I mean, you don't, you don't, a lot of people don't realize Jules Verne, when he wrote Around the World in 80 Days, he never left France his entire life. And yet he wrote the, the definitive travel book, you know, uh, a book provides you with a passport. You don't have to ever leave Roswell, New Mexico, but as long as you yeah. have a library card or you go to your bookstore, you can read all kinds of great things. And actually, if I can, I'm going to give a tip to all the entrepreneurs out there. So I'm always giving reading yeah. tips. Um, you know, one of the things I do is I'll go to my local Barnes and Noble before a party. I'll go to the children's section and I'll read like 10, 10 picture books about famous people. And then I sound like the most intelligent person at that party. I'm like, oh, did you know Elon Musk was originally from <laughs> South Africa? You know. It's not like I read some thick novel about him. I just read some 32-page picture book has also lots of illustrations. That's how I that's how I got through the Bible. I read the children's Bible first. The children's Bible has pictures. It tells you, oh, oh, uh, David and Goliath. That's First Samuel is where that's at. I always sound really smart. I'm like, I'm not that smart. I just had a picture book that uh, helped me out. But uh, you know, you don't really need that much. You you really don't. If you can, if you have a smile on your face, you're friendly, and know a couple of uh, interesting stories, you'd be amazed how far you can go. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing stand-up? All right, so I, I did that. I did that in college to pay for my spring breaks, Ryan. That's my. Uh, I used to uh, my my. <laughs> this is what made me prepared for anything in life. So I, I went to. I did my undergrad in Washington D.C. And so my agent was a former Cincinnati Bengal. He was six foot eleven, two hundred ninety-five pound African American guy, oh, and he only, he only booked me in all black strip clubs and Anacostia. <laughs> Washington DC and like believe me on ladies night you know I get paid $75 for a 15 minute set and it's like ladies night and the guy I, I, I the guy I follow he's in like a knit bikini and his uh, appendages are going down to his knee and uh, so my opening line was uh, wow my mom used to knit me sweaters complete silence and I think to my 14 minutes and 50 seconds to go but it was great you know, uh, that's actually what an entrepreneur is going through. Like you're getting rejected all the time. You gotta, you gotta take that rejection. I, again, you gotta watch Ed Wood. I, I, the most positive person in the world is Ed Wood. Oh, worst movie ever. Well, my next one will be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, 
I mean, but that's how you could take on life and, and how things really transpire. I mean, because if you take life so seriously all the time, you're never, you're really one, not going to get much accomplished, but also at the same time, if you can laugh at yourself, and I know it's an old adage, laugh at yourself when you fail, you're learning a lot. Like I said earlier, I have the pity parties, but then I come back and I start going, I'll say, Hey, you're, you're a dumbass. You, why did you do that? You know? And I, and I really, I have to, because I've made some pretty bad mistakes in my life. And it's like, what the hell were you thinking? I mean, were you on something, I, you know, whatever, but if we don't actually, you know, have some levity and some, you know, fun with life, how are you supposed to get anywhere? I mean, it's yeah, hard. I mean, my policy, Ryan, is I take my job seriously. I don't take myself seriously because I ain't all that. And neither are you. And if you think yep. you're all that, teach kindergarten for one week. Those little kids will set you. I mean, I had one little girl, no. LaShonda, one day was raising her hand. I'm like, LaShonda, question. She's like, Miss Basal, when are you going to trim your nose hair? I'm like, this afternoon. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that to my attention, LaShonda. I ain't all that. And uh, yeah, and actually, that's, that's you. You just hit the the nail on the head. I mean, that's one of the major criteria I I uh, judge people on is if you can't laugh at yourself, I don't want to be around you. I mean, you know, there's there's some people out there that are so serious. I'm like, you're a loser. You're. I mean, give me a break. That yeah. Everybody who was successful was a failure at some point in life. Everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking about this to a leadership forum the other day. I'm like, there's this there's this area of uncomfortability and all of us hit it, you know? So mm -hmm. even um, President Biden or President Trump, their first day as president, believe me, they didn't believe that they belong there. They're like, man, they're very uncomfortable because they're not used to it. Eventually they, they, be, they grow they into, it. into it, yeah. you know? But it's the same thing with like the entrepreneur that goes from making $5 million a year to $25 million a year. Now you're around a whole different crowd and you're like, I don't know mm -hmm. if I this crowd all of us have that that doubt same thing in you know high school sports i went from the freshman team to the junior varsity team am i good enough to be here and junior varsity diversity team but all of us all of us go through life and all of us were uncomfortable at different stages of our lives oh, and so yeah. you see this person with this supreme confidence i'm like well before you were a success you were a mess i can tell you that right now <laughs> A single person that it was all given to you not at all actually no there was one person king charles king charles everything was handed to him but besides that nobody else <laughs> oh boy this has been good this has been fun uh oh my gosh i wow we're almost an hour at this Woo, we're having some fun I like this. no 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 worries i do have a hard stop but we'll we'll get there um I just want to wrap up and just really briefly talk about, you know, reading is, is key because it's mm -hmm. up here. Fundamentally best tip that you can share with the audience for reading, especially for those that like us struggled early in life with reading and sticking to it. And actually I try to get something out of everything I read. I mean, that's, that's the whole piece. And I, I'm not going to sit down and read something I don't like. Maybe I do come across things that I don't like. I'll stop and go find something else, mm -hmm. but I don't give up on the reading. I go back to something else. Yeah. So in my, so I have the world's top reading engagement program. And one of the tips I give parents is the best thing. The easiest thing I know all of you can do. Uh, President Bush senior 30 years ago, signed a very important law in this country. It said uh, every television set sold in America has to have closed captioning. So I always tell people, Turn on the closed captioning on the television. And like people will say, well, wait a sec, if the show's in English and the subtitles are in English, what good does that do? I'm like, well, that's a fair point, but let me make a point. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the subtitles? It's very difficult to do. Your brain is actually wired towards that. There's actually research to support this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every country oh, yeah. in the world except for one. The country where kids watch TV the most actually has the highest reading scores in the world. It's Finland. And people always ask me, well, how can that be? I'm like, well, because Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they have to do is they have to import all these old episodes of Gilligan's Island and the Brady Bunch, and they, they subtitle them for the kids. The kids are reading it constantly. And so the easiest tip I give everybody all the time, I'm like, hey, uh, turn on the closed captioning. Second, you and I were talking before the broadcast. I'm, I'm such a big believer in audible books. Uh, there's so many yes. apps now. My favorite app on my phone is Libby. Any public library is a member of Libby where uh, I can get these audio books and, and listen in. Um, and then, you know, also as a thank you to 
everybody listening to me and enduring me for this hour we've been together, Ryan, I wanted to give everybody a couple of uh, gifts. So if you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, again, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to give everybody two two bonuses. First of all, you'll get an e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed, which is a book I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation <laughs> that demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. And then I'm also going to give everybody access. Last summer, I did a five-day reading challenge online for about 700 parents around the world, where every day for five consecutive days, you spend an hour with me, and I'm giving you all kinds of these little tips on how to get your kid excited about reading. Because the more excited we get kids to read, the more likely they are to read. And the more you read, the better you get. So you can get all that at freegiftfromdanny.com. And I'm, I'm just so grateful to you, Ryan. This this hour felt like 10 minutes. I mean, uh, I could talk to you all day about this. Yeah. Stuff. And you, you know what? You have my vote for political office. Actually, something I always tell people, it's just as important to know what you don't like to do as it is to know what you do like to do. I yes. tell people that um, when I was in college, I worked on Capitol Hill for a congressman for a while. And in high school, I used to clean toilets at a health club. And if oh, ever given the choice between cleaning toilets and working on Capitol Hill, I'd much rather clean toilets oh, again yeah. than ever work on Capitol Hill again. <laughs> so negative people. Is what would be the best way people can get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you? Well, they'll give me their name and their email. And when they go to freegiftfromdanny.com, you can always go to my website, dannybrussell.com. My last name is really easy to remember how to spell. It's spelled like bras sell. No, <laughs> no, I never took any grief over that as a child. So uh, Danny Brussell. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, Danny, thank you for coming on. It's been an honor. It's been great. Uh, you've been one entertaining, but enlightening and also shared some great concepts. Uh, I couldn't thank you more for coming on. You're great, Ryan. Keep on doing everything you're doing. I, I, I know your audience loves you, and I, I really appreciate you uh, spreading some joy in the world. We need a lot more of you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for coming on. God bless.